Amen. Good morning, church. How are we doing? We doing well? Good. You sound like you're doing fantastic. <laughs> well, maybe we'll try that again. How are we doing? Are we doing okay? All right. All right. Very good. Um, hey, if we haven't met, my name is Nate. I'm the senior minister here. I would love to meet you after service, put a name to a face. Like Ashley said, we have, we have a gift for you. We actually have a book that we want to give you, uh, a book that I really value and love so much. It's on prayer, and I think it's a very easy read, um, so if you're not much of a reader, uh, this is an incredibly easy read that I think you'll benefit greatly from. And so, um, again, I'd love to meet you after the service. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Um, first and foremost, I want to highlight something that I think maybe many of you saw on your way in here as you were walking. If you missed it, uh, you don't have the greatest peripheral vision, but it's the blessings box that's just right outside there that uh, a lot of people in our church put in their you know, personal touch and love and care and, and use their giftings to bring that thing to fruition. And so um, I want to name all of those people. You don't have to stand up. I'm not trying to make life awkward for you right now, but I do want to acknowledge you because uh, we, that was a, a, a dream that we had. Selah had this idea, those blessings box are, you know, you, you've maybe seen many of them throughout the community or somewhere. And it, it's of value because it's, it opens up an opportunity for us as the church to serve our community. And there's a lot of people, I don't know if, if you pay attention when you drive in McKinney or, or maybe wherever you live, there, there, there are a lot of people in need. There are a lot of people without homes. There are a lot of people on the streets and they need food. And I'm going to tell you some stories as we go on in the sermon. But I want to highlight and, and thank uh, Kevin Craig, Jay Reed, uh, Mickey Love, Sayla, Annabeth Hardaway, Brooke Hardaway, uh, Luke and Paul Norby, Buck Williams, uh, Kenzie, who's not here but helped, um, Robert Rawls, Jeremiah Collins helped, Wes and Alex Smith, and then Debbie Chan put the finishing touch on it by putting the writing on the, on the door and the scripture on the door. And then yesterday we had, uh, which was planned by uh, Jeremy and Jackie McDaniel, uh, Stock the Pantry Car Show, which was fabulous until the kind of the storm was coming in. We had to pack up early. But as you came in here on your left, there was a bin of overflowing food that people brought so that we can pack that blessings box. And so can we just give a hand to all these people that... Because as Ashley said, you can talk to Kevin after service. You can get involved in, in helping serve alongside what that is now has become a ministry in our church, the blessings box. And it's an effort of us as the church of the living God to serve our community, which is exactly what we're called to do. Um, and so if you haven't been here, we're in this series called Missions Month, and I started it last year. I got hired on here, and I thought, oh my gosh, I have to preach a sermon every week. What do I do? Where do I start? And I know that the Holy Spirit led me into uh, uh, what has now become Missions Month. I'm very mission-minded. I love global missions. Um, and so you, you may ask, you know, every single year, Nate, we're going to talk about missions in the whole month of August. This month has five Sundays, Nate. That's a lot of Sundays on missions. And it is, but there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot to discuss. Um, and so week one, Nathan Davenport, who's a, a recruiter, Pioneer Bible Translators, he's, he kicked off Missions Month for us, and he talked about Jesus being the hope of the world, and he shared stories of how he has actually met people, physically met people who have never heard the name of Jesus in the far re unreached corners of the world. And so he brought to our attention uh, the, the, the great need and the great urgency of the gospel to, to be preached in all the world. And then last week, uh, I preached on answering this question, what happens to people who never hear the gospel? And the church, the local church, should be uh, talking about that, and, and our minds should be focused on what does happen to people that never hear the gospel. And, and I went through uh, Paul's letter to the, to the Romans, and we answered that question. And, 
And so today I want to continue in, in our effort to make missions a priority in our church, and I want to talk about local missions. And when we talk about local missions, let's not forget that our God is a global God. He's a missional God, mission-minded God, hardest for the nations. And in Psalm 67, it says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, and that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Our God is a missional God. His, he is zealous for his own glory. He is not zealous for the glory of man. He is zealous for his own glory. He wants his name to be praised of all na- in all nations. He wants his name to be known in all the earth. That still remains true today. And although that still m- remains true, our God, a missional God, in Christ the Son, desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's 1 Timothy chapter 2 which is why Jesus commands his followers 2,000 years ago and why he commands you and me today to preach the gospel to the whole creation and to make disciples of all nations. That command and that, that commission has not stopped. It is still true for your life and our life and the life of this church at Hillcrest today. And so, Acts chapter 1. Not only do I want to look and make an emphasis on local missions, I want to highlight uh, the priority that missions should be in your life. And so I'm speaking today to the individual. When we talk about local missions, this matters not just to the, to the local church, not just to Hillcrest, but it matters in your life. So I want to simplify. What does it mean to be mission-minded in our community and in our lives and in this church and in our households and in your life as an individual? And so Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, who, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And to the end of the earth, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses until the end of the earth. Let me pray and I'll open up with my first point. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, we are a church. We're your church. We're your bride, and, and we're your children. And, and God, we want to we obey this command to make disciples of all nations and to preach the gospel to the whole creation. And I think, Lord, what we're going to learn together as a church is that that starts here. That starts now. And so, God, help us to live on mission here where we are. Press upon people's hearts in this room um, a willingness to serve this community, a willingness to serve uh, our neighborhoods, our, our workplaces, and our own households, households for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. My first point this morning is mission is influenced by power. Missions is influenced by power. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does Jesus mean by power? What is he referring to here? And my, the, immediately I'm thinking of what Paul talks about. Paul writes this letter to this church in Corinth. It's a church that he planted. It's a church that he invested in. It's a church that he raised up and he equipped men and women to lead this church. And Paul talks about power. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, 
and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me, and that's, that's good news for you too, because it's not about your words, it's not about your eloquence, it's not about your intelligence, it, ain't, it doesn't have anything to do with how much money you have in the bank, it's not about what you can offer God. No, Paul says, I didn't come to you preaching with eloquent words of wisdom. When I came to you, I came to preach Christ crucified. When Jesus tells us to go preach the gospel, it isn't contingent on us. It's not contingent on us. This power is dependent on God. This power is dependent on God, and it's fueled by the cross. Paul would go on to say, the cross, so think about the cross of Jesus Christ, not just a wooden cross in our auditorium, but the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul says, that's foolishness to Jews. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, that that is foolishness. That idea of Jesus and the cross, that's foolishness to Jews, or foolishness to Greeks, rather, and it's a stumbling block to Jews. A stumbling block to Jews. This idea of Yahweh, our Lord, the God of heaven and earth, the maker of the stars and the moon and the universe, our God, the one who parts Red Seas, the one who speaks through donkeys, uh, the one who causes the walls of Jericho to come down, uh, the God who can bring water from a rock and manna from heaven, that God, our God, uh, the cross of Jesus Christ, that's our God. That's a stumbling block for the Jews, Paul says, and it's foolishness to Greeks. But then he says, for the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And it is. It, the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, the story of Jesus, the God-man who came from heaven to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, that's foolishness. That's crazy talk. And it is to those who are perishing. It means nothing. But then Paul says, but to us, to you, to me, who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's what the cross is for your life and for my life. It's the power of our God. Foolishness to people who are perishing. And it is, and you can tell that in everyday life as you interact with people, that cross, foolishness, means nothing. Emptied of its power to those who are perishing. But to you, to me, it's the power of our God. And amen to that. And this is why precisely Peter, you remember Peter? Peter was the denier. Peter was the coward. Uh, Peter was the liar. Peter was just the fisherman. He wasn't raised uh, to be a rabbi. He wasn't raised to be a religious leader. Uh, just a fisherman. Just a, a blue-collar guy, you know. Um, and you see his faultiness in, in, in the New Testament, in the ministry of Jesus. He, he lied. He was a denier. He, as Jesus was uh, being uh, uh, on, on the way to the cross, on his journey to the cross, when Jesus was arrested, where was Peter? He was way back here, following from a distance. And three times this woman says, I know you're Peter. I understand your language. I recognize you're from Galilee. You were with him. And Peter, every single time, three times exactly, to be precise, said, no, no, no. So Peter Often people will think of him as a coward. And yet it's Peter. It's Peter who stands in the power of God and preaches the first sermon in the history of the Christian church. And who is he preaching to? He's preaching to Jews. He's preaching to intellects. He's preaching to the religious leaders. How is Peter able to do that? Because he's standing in the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus who, who's the one who's saying, hey, you're going to receive power. This is the promise that my Father already gave you, if you remember, and you're going to receive power. And, and I've done enough is what Jesus is saying. I, I've done enough, and he's talking about the cross, and I'm going to supply you with enough talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you, the least likely person, the least likely candidate that has nothing to do with your education, has nothing to do with whether you were raised in the church, has nothing to do if you went to college. No, I'm going to equip you. Based on what I've done, Jesus says, through the cross, and based on what I can supply you, power, I can equip you 
the least likely person, maybe that's you, you came in here and you don't feel like you can offer the kingdom of God anything, look at the disciples. They were the least likely people, and yet it was God in his infinite wisdom who, through the cross of Jesus Christ, has done enough and can supply enough through the power of his Holy Spirit to turn the least likely candidate into a voice of a martyr for the kingdom of God. And that was Peter. And as you read the book of Acts, if you were to go home and read all of the book of Acts, they watch Jesus literally ascend into heaven. And this is what is so bizarre to me. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is ascending into heaven, and there are hundreds of people, hundreds of witnesses there, and it says some of them fell away. Some of them didn't believe. How is that possible, if you think about that? I don't know if you read the Bible and you think about these things, and, but you're, you're, you're literally seeing a man ascend into heaven, and, and you decide that was the moment in which you didn't believe. Blows my mind. But they're watching as Jesus ascends into heaven, and, and Jesus says, you know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the promise of my Father. And on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of thousands of people, Jews, intellects, religious leaders, and he preaches he preaches with confidence. How can he preach with confidence? A man who wasn't raised. He, it's, Peter wasn't an idiot. He wasn't a, he wasn't a dummy. He, he, he was raised to know the law of Moses, but he was not raised to teach the law of Moses. He wasn't raised to be a rabbi. He wasn't raised to be a religious leader. Okay? But Peter, in confidence, stands up in the power of God on the day of Pentecost and preaches the first sermon in front of all of these different people. He's not nervous, but he has confidence. Why? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter Peter impresses all of these people because he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about what the prophets say. And it all points to how Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. There wasn't a New Testament. You know what I mean. I'm talking about Jesus. And Peter lands the plane by preaching about the resurrection of Jesus and 3,000 people come to Christ. 3,000 people. And before, if you remember, Peter was a denier. He was a liar. He was a coward. And yet, God still used Peter. And I look at this room, and, and myself included, and, and all of the, the faults that you and I have, and, and all of the mistakes that we've made as Christians, and, and all of the things, you know, I wish I would have treated that person a little more better, or I, I wish I would have, you know, shown a little more respect, or you could go down the list of all the things that we wish that we could have done better, because we're supposed to be better, and we're supposed to be the nicest people on planet Earth, and we're supposed to be the most loving people on planet Earth, and then you evaluate your life, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you think, that's not me. And God in His grace, and in God in His love, still wants to use you, just like He used Peter. Isn't that amazing? I hope that encourages you, because it encourages me. 3,000 people come to Christ. It had nothing to do with Peter. literally had nothing to do with Peter. It had everything to do with the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so, the Bible also calls Peter ordinary, and I don't know how you think of yourself if you think of yourself ordinary, but you're in good company because the Bible said Peter was ordinary, and God still used him through the Holy Spirit. And look what Jesus says. This is the power he's talking about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So this power is dependent upon God because the Holy Spirit is God. God living in us. The most undeserving people in all the world, and yet God lives in us in us. You think about the people that Jesus, Jesus chose to, to pour his life into for three, three and a half years. You think about that he didn't, he didn't find the religious leaders. He didn't find the, the smartest people in the bunch. He didn't find all the straight A students. He didn't go and, 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 and look for the people who could offer him the most money for his ministry. He didn't go and say, you know, I want the people who from a very young age were raised to be rabbis. I want the doctorates and I want, I want the people with, with masters of divinity. Those are the people I'm looking for. Jesus didn't go for those people. He went for the least likely candidates. 
He went for the fishermen. He went for the tax collectors. The most hated people in all of Israel, the tax collectors, that's who Jesus, in front of crowds of people, walked up and says, follow me. It was radical. <laughs> it was radical. And then, uh, of course, the, the people who were trying to kill tax collectors, the zealots. <laughs> and he put them all in the same bunch. He says, you're going to follow me, and you're going to be fishers of men, and I'm going to make you into uh, people who can make disciples in all the world. And you're going to be world changers. And you're the least likely people. And guess what? Here's the best part. Icing on the cake. It is not going to depend upon you. It's going to depend upon me and my Holy Spirit living in you. And that is the best part. And so uh, that's why Paul says, you know, he, God chose who were weak and who were powerless and, and those who lacked wisdom and were foolish and, and those who were low and despised. Why? So that the power of God could rest on them. So that God's power could be manifested in them. It's the same today. It's the same. I don't know if you came in this room and think, I'm not smart as the next person. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't have the education uh, that the next person has. My house isn't as big as the next person's. I don't have as much money as the next person. That doesn't even matter. It has literally nothing to do with who you are in Christ and what you're capable, what you're capable to do in, in doing in the kingdom of God. It does not, God's power does not rest upon you. It doesn't rest upon me. Why? So that no one can boast. God wants His power to be on display and His glory to be seen in all the earth. And so His power through the Holy Spirit is dependent on God. And that's the best part about all of this. And you may know the story in Acts 4. It tells, it, it tells us that uh, people looked at Peter and John and all these guys and they said they were uneducated and ordinary men. Uneducated not in the sense that they don't, they don't have any formal education, just in the sense that these men are preaching a message that they should not be preaching because they weren't raised to know this stuff. But they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. And the Holy Spirit give, gives us words. And, and when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit causes things to happen in your life. And it makes you who Jesus wants you to be. And it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with Him. And so God demonstrates His power in those who are weak and powerless. Uh, the, the lowly and despised. And That's a good thing. And so, in fact, Paul reminds us back in, in 2 Corinthians... He says, don't you remember? Now, he's referring back to when he came to Corinth initially to, pre to, to, to plant this church, to preach the Gospels, to make disciples, to equip people. Um, don't you remember uh, uh, when I initially came to you? I didn't come to you with lofty speech or, or eloquent words of wisdom. I came in weakness, and I desired to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. That's what Paul says. Paul, Paul was educated. Paul was an intellect. Paul was raised from, from, from his youth. To be a religious leader, a Pharisee, a leader amongst the, the nation of Israel. And yet he says, when I came to you to preach, the ch uh, to proclaim the gospel of the living God and to plant a church of the living God, I came in weakness. I was powerless. I came to know nothing except Christ crucified. Yeah, this is Paul saying that. He goes on to say, my speech the great evangelist, the great preacher of the gospel, the great church planter, the great missionary says of himself, my speech and my message, they weren't in plausible words of wisdom. I didn't come trying to confuse you. But in demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, so that you wouldn't decide and make a decision to follow me, but in the power of God. Let that encourage you today, Christian. And I thank God for those verses in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It's one of my favorite 
portion of Scripture in all of the Bible because I'm looking at a man who, who had all knowledge and had all memorization of the, of the Scriptures and, and was raised from a child to know and to teach and to make light of the glory of God. And, and he was humbled by God and he became weak so that God's power could rest on him. And Paul was humble. He was a humble man. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come. Uh, maybe you, were, you recognized me or you, you thought I was Saul of Tarsus. No, 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 no. I'm Paul now. And I came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And when I came, I did it so that Christ's power could rest on me. I came to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. And so it's not, uh, the point is it's, it has nothing to do with your ability. It doesn't have anything to do with your knowledge or, or uh, you know, how you were raised. And if you were raised in the church, and that's great. That's not a bad thing. Obviously, <laughs> I'm going to be a dad soon. I want to raise my kids in the church. If they're going to be my kids, they're going to be raised in the church. Obviously, it's not a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. But if you came in this room thinking you have something to boast about, you need to be humbled. You need to be humbled. Because it has nothing to do with you, your talents, your, your abilities. It doesn't have anything to do with how much money you give to the church. Although we appreciate anything that you give and how, how generous you're able to give for the, for the glory of Jesus and, and for the sake of making um, Him known in our community and the world. But it doesn't have anything to do with your bank account or how big your house is or how many friends you have. It has everything to do with God. Everything to do with God and everything to do with Him demonstrating His power through His Spirit, so that the power of God can be manifested in your life. You want God to work mightily in your life? Humble yourself and boast only in the Lord. And so if you, when we think about the book of Acts, and um, we're going to see other areas in the book of Acts, uh, not just chapter 1, but, but do you know what the book of Acts is really about? It's not so much about the origins of the church, although that's there. It's not so much about uh, the ministry of the apostles that make all of us look really bad when we read it. We're like, we could never do that. That's not what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is about the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts is about. It's about the acts of the Holy Spirit. And the, you know, the same is true today. We can, we can meet in this room and we can worship together and that's biblical. What we're doing right now is biblical, it's good, and we should be doing it. And we can meet in our homes and, and we can edify each other and and we can have Bible studies and men's breakfasts and, and women's ministries and all of these things. And, and I could pull out a whiteboard and I could say, here's our vision at Hillcrest for the next 30 years. And I could impress you with all of my pictures and drawings and words and, and all the ideas and all the vision that we have. And it would look really, really, really good. And I would probably sell you on it. But none of it would matter if the Holy Spirit's not in it. It would be empty. It would be in vain. It would matter not if the Holy Spirit was not in it. Which brings, brings me back to this, and don't be offended, but this means nothing, and it's empty and void of power if the Holy Spirit is not in it. Are you tracking with me? We have to, as the local church of the living God, be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And so all of the things, it's not that they don't work or they don't matter, and the whiteboard and all that, you know, I'm a whiteboard guy. <laughs> I'm a whiteboard person. I like to go to the whiteboard. I like to plan sermons on the whiteboard. And I like to do that, and I'm a, I'm a thinker that way, but... If the Holy Spirit's not in it, then I'm wasting my time. And if you're reading your Bible and the Holy Spirit's not in it, then you're wasting your time. So the Acts of the Holy Spirit, that's what the early church, or that's what the book of Acts is about. It's about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And our mission isn't fueled by anything else but the Holy Spirit. So what we do here today, it's not, it's not the Acts of Doctrine. Doctrine matters, it's important, but what we're doing is not the Acts of Doctrine. It's not the Acts of Church tra Tradition. 
It's not the acts of, of church history. It's not the acts of our opinions. It's not the acts of, of how much money do we have, and, and that's going to determine how much ministry we can do. It's not the acts of any of those things. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's why the church exists, to be led by the Spirit of God and, and to make light of the kingdom of God. And That's why God's Spirit lives in you, to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and you've been given power from heaven. How about that? To be a witness of the testimony of Jesus And if you notice something, they received this power, and they didn't wait, they didn't stall, they didn't go to a room and say, all right, let's figure out a plan, and let's figure out how we're going to disciple people, and let's figure out, you know, how much money do we have, and how much ministry can we actually do? No, they didn't stall. When they received the power, they proclaimed. When they received the the power, they proclaimed. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And if you think about this, In light of Acts 1, there's a moment right before the power came, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, they said this in Acts 1, verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, uh, let's take a step back here and let's think about our Christian lives and and, you know, maybe you're on some Christian forums, or maybe you are subscribed to some Christian magazines, or, you know, maybe you just like, you like to go on YouTube and watch sermons, and, and you have your favorite preachers, and, and all of those things, and you're learning so much, and none of that is bad. But how often, think about this throughout the history of your Christian life, up until now, how often have you spent times talking about, let's say, the end times? That's a hot topic this last year. The end times. Jesus is coming soon. The vaccine is the mark of the beast. Go get all the food in all the pantries, and we've got to prepare because Jesus is coming back. And people fill, I'm talking about Christians, and, and um, you know, people, we fill coffee shops, and we have these incredible conversations, these really in-depth conversations, conversations I shouldn't even be a part of because I, I just lose my mind. I can't even understand. But are you a pre-millennialist or a post-millennialist? Or, you know, what do you believe about the end times? What do you believe about Jesus' coming? And we have all of these in-depth discussions in these coffee shops, and it's all good and well, and we have these stacks of thick books on theology, and, and it's, it's fine. All the while, the person bringing your coffee's got a first-class ticket to hell because you haven't shared the gospel with them. But you want to make sure and you want to argue and you want to debate what you think is when Jesus is coming soon. Yet all the people around you, they're going to be without Jesus for an eternity because no one will share the gospel with them and no one will invite them to church and nobody will love them. No one will say, hey, hey, I'd like to buy your coffee today. Why would you want to buy my coffee? I just, you know, no problem. Just want to love you. Just want to love people. Hey, you know, here's an invite card to our church, so on and so forth. There's a million different ways that you can do any of that. But we waste our time having these talks and having these discussions, and they're not bad discussions. When you read the Bible, you're led to these. What do you believe about Jesus and his return? That's not, you're going to be led to, to those discussions and thinking that way if you read the Bible. But don't let your life be consumed by it. You're not here to debate and argue about when Jesus is coming because he tells his disciples, that's not for you to know. That's the Father's knowledge. The Father knows the moment and time when I will come but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witness. And you're going to do it here, and you're going to do it all across the world. Don't worry about the rest of that stuff. That's secondary. And so that's the same for us. And um, Some of us are going to disagree on a lot of those things. There's a lot of things in the Bible. Every one of us, we're going to disagree on one thing or the other. What's most important on what we do agree on is the gospel the gospel, and how people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so, 
Don't worry about the rest of the stuff. It's secondary. It doesn't, it's not that it's not important, but it's secondary. So Jesus goes on, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what, then what does he say? And then you will be my witnesses. Then you will be my witnesses. The meaning of being a witness here is to give testimony about Jesus. It's really that simple. Testimony of what? Well, testimony of his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Then his ultimate ascension. L- listen to what, uh, what they say in Acts 2.32. This God or this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. He's talking about the resurrection. That's what we are to be witnesses of, the resurrection. And interestingly enough, the Greek word for witnesses here is where we get the word martyr. That's where we get the word martyr. These apostles and these disciples in the early uh, Christian church, they lost their lives. They were killed. They They were brutalized for the gospel. But they knew Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He is alive. He's currently seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. And we're going we're to go to our deaths knowing that. And so they became martyrs for the kingdom. Um, and as Christ, Christians today, you and me, we're, we are called to be witnesses. We are called to, be, to, to live our lives as a testimony that Jesus is alive, that he has resurrected from the dead. That's what we're called to live. And the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, Holy Spirit is the same. I know when we look at this and we say, well, you know, the, the apostles, obviously they were gonna they're gonna become martyrs. They literally did see Jesus rise from the dead. We haven't seen anything. We have not seen a resurrected Lord. So obviously their faith is, is going to look a lot different, a lot greater, and a lot bigger than ours. But the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Holy Spirit's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the church has changed. Church is and has changed, and the church can change like that. But God will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That also um, is the is true of the Holy Spirit. He's the same, and, and um, you know, we've complicated the Holy Spirit. We really have in the church. I'm talking about just globally thinking Christian church. We've, we've complicated the Holy Spirit, and um, we've pushed him out of our churches, and we've quenched him um, by our passiveness to sin and a lack of a fear of the Lord. We, we push him out of our churches, and we quench the Holy Spirit. When we don't take sin seriously, and we think that we're here for our own glory, and we're going to do ministry um, in our own might, in our own strength, in our own ability, in our own power, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, we can do it better than him. And we're quenching the Holy Spirit and we're pushing him out of our churches. And, and so the Holy Spirit is God and that hasn't changed. And he's the same in the book of Acts as he is today. But then you might say, well, you know, they saw, they saw Jesus, so their, their faith is going to be a lot better than ours. That just makes sense. Well, 11, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says it differently. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That word assurance in the Greek leads us to uh, this idea that we have proof. We have proof that God really did raise Jesus from the dead. This is not a different faith. Their faith doesn't have to be any greater than ours just because they, they saw the resurrected Lord. We have proof too that Jesus is alive, that He is seated upon a throne, and that He is and has resurrected from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave. We have proof of that. If you remember what Jesus Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? They all doubted to some extent. Thomas, um, poor Thomas, is, is labeled today as doubting Thomas. And I don't know if that's true in heaven, if they still call him that or not. But he said, look, I, I just can't believe. Unless I see the holes, I can't believe. And what did Jesus say to Thomas? Thomas, you believe because you can see and touch. Blessed are those who can't see and still believe. You see this? how this all connects? Letting Scripture interpret scripture isn't this amazing this is good for you but when we talk about faith 
what stems from, I mean, what's at the root of faith? It's belief. Belief. It, belief. You either believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead or you don't. It's that simple. Because the implications of the resurrection have everything to do with your desire to be a witness and to give testimony of Jesus to those around you. You either believe or you don't. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you living a faith-filled are you living in faith-filled power or faithless power? Are you living in faith-filled power or faithless power? Because here's the deal. I think, I think we all believe that you know, Jesus is Lord. And, and if you're a Christian in this room, you believe that God is real and, and all of those things. But, but, but just take a moment and humble yourself and say, hey, look, I do believe. I do believe, but help my unbelief. I believe. But God, help my unbelief. And it's going to take humility for you to, to pray that prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. Are you living in faith-filled power or faithless power? My second point this morning is missions is influenced by meeting needs. Missions is influenced by meeting needs. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now I have this map here I want to show you. Do we have that map? So if you see this map, I don't want to get in anybody's way, but to the uttermost parts of the earth, and this is kind of throughout the book of Acts where the gospel kind of went and was proclaimed, and that's a massive amount of territory right there because um, they didn't have, you know, cars and airplanes. So this is, you've got to think about that. And so that's to the other, uttermost parts of the world, and, and you see Spain over there, and that's where Paul wanted to get, and he never got to get there. Um, and then in Judea and Samaria, so the, the, that's a circle right here. And then you see in Jerusalem, Jesus says it starts in Jerusalem, and that's just that little, little bitty circle right here. And that's where the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom began, is right there in that little place. And that, that makes up all of uh, Acts chapters 1 through 7. That's the gospel being preached, people are being healed, people are being raised from the dead, and, and needs are being met, all in this little area. It first started right there. Nothing profound, just... Just meeting needs locally is what the church did. And, and uh, it started in Jerusalem. And, and I want to show you, uh, they started living on purpose right where they were. Knowing, they knew the Old Testament. They had knowledge of the Old Testament. They knew that their God was a global God. They knew that. They knew that he wanted his name to be preached and, and proclaimed and known in all the earth. They knew that. But they were meeting needs and living on person for the kingdom right where they were. That's what Jesus told them to do. Uh, so move to Acts 3, and this is what it says. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They're not doing anything radical right now. They're going to worship. Is that what you did today? You came here, you put your clothes on, you got ready, you did your thing, and you came here to do what? To worship. That's what Peter and John did. Hey, let's go worship at the temple. It's customary of, of what we've done. Let's go pray with our uh, brothers and sisters and, and you know, on the way, let's go make light of the kingdom. And that's what they did. And so nothing radical here. You know, their temple is our Hillcrest building. I mean, it's, they're going to worship, and they're going to pray, and they're going to, to, to do those things. And then it, and it goes on, And a man lame from birth, verse 2, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And so this lame man, he's, been, he's literally been paralyzed his whole life. 
And it says that he goes to the gate of the entrance of the temple. And every day he goes there and he's asking for money. He's asking for help. He's asking for help. And that that was customary of someone like this man, a, a lame man, to go outside the temple gate and to beg people for money. He was in need. He had needs. And Peter and John are walking up and doing, they're just doing their Christian routine. Okay? That's just all they're doing. They're getting in their car, their SUV, um, and they're driving to church. That's all they're doing. Nothing radical. And they see this man. In fact, here's what it says of Peter Peter directed his gaze at him. <laughs> so Peter saw a need, is what that's saying. Peter saw a need and, and he wanted to meet it. And here's what it says. Uh, This guy's begging Peter and John for money, and and here's what Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I can give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And now immediately you're thinking, okay, okay, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. I'm not heading to church on a Sunday and I'm just going to pull over and I'm just going to, I'm going to see a man uh, who's paralyzed and I'm just going to lay my hand on him and ask him for God to, to fix him and heal him and that's going to happen because the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. And some of you believe that. You do. And, and that brings us back to what I was talking about earlier with the end times. Uh, there's either two people in this room, really, in the scriptures, when you read the Bible, it leads you to this. It really does. You, ha- you, you kind of have to make a decision. And you're either a cessationist, which believes that the gift of healing and the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy died at the apostolic age, meaning when the, the, the apostles were martyred and killed, those gifts ceased to exist in the church. You either believe that, that's a cessationist. I know it's a fancy Bible college word that I learned. I, I had no idea. Um, or you're a continuationist and you believe that those gifts still exist in the church today. The gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of tongues. And here's, here's, here's what I know is true. Uh, we're going to disagree on those things. Not just you and me, but you and the person sitting next to you. Maybe a husband and a wife, you may disagree on those things. That shouldn't stop the kingdom of God from moving forward. It's secondary. It's secondary. But you either believe uh, that or you don't. But the thing is, we're all led to this. The Holy Spirit wouldn't do that today. I can't heal anybody. That doesn't happen anymore. And if you think that way, I don't want you to miss the point. Peter sets his gaze at this man because he knows he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he knows he's been commissioned and commanded by his Lord and Savior Jesus to meet needs and to make change and to proclaim the gospel And so Peter sees a man, and this man in particular happened to be paralyzed and happened to be lame, and he saw a need and says, you know what, I can do something about that because God lives in me. And I've been commanded by Jesus through the Holy Spirit to make an impact in people's lives and to make change happen and preach the gospel. And so it says in verse 7 of of Acts chapter 4, because Acts 3, 4, and 5 is, is all the same story. Once they heal this guy, they go into the temple. This guy who's been lame is now walking. He's celebrating and running up and down in the temple. He's dancing and celebrating, okay? That's just like, if you see someone in here dancing and celebrating, worshiping the Lord, you know, that's been done before. That's been done before because this man's life has been changed. His life has been changed. And so they bring Peter and John in for questioning. What are you doing? You've you've changed this man's life. How dare you? And they're talking... saying to them, stop preaching about Jesus of Nazareth. And here's what it says in Acts 4, verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? 
And then in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that, that is living in you, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, what Peter's saying, oh, I see why we're here. You're, you're talking about that act of kindness that we, we did. You're, you're talking about that need that we met. You're talking about how everybody was coming into the temple to pray, and, and they passed that man, and we showed an act of kindness. Is that what you're referring to, that act of kindness? Show it to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed? Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, you listen up. It is by the name of Jesus Christ that that man was healed. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Peter's like, you talking about that act of kindness that I did? Oh, that was nothing. That's just fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And it says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible leads us to live in the fruit of the Spirit, does it not? Peter's saying, man, that's just another day. That's just another day. That's just an act of kindness. Living in the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you mean that act of kindness? And, and I love what it says in Luke 24. And it kind of brings it all together. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, if it's not clear by now, McKinney is our Jerusalem. That's where all of this is headed. Or if you live in Allen, Allen is your Jerusalem. If you live in uh, Melissa or Anna or wherever it is that you live, that's your Jerusalem. But us as a church at, at Hillcrest, McKinney is our Jerusalem. We are supposed to and called by the Bible, by our God, to seek the welfare of our Jerusalem. And that's McKinney. McKinney is our Jerusalem. Let me ask you a question. Next slide. How are you being a witness right here, right now, for the kingdom of Jesus? How are you being a witness? You can leave that slide up there. How are you being a witness right here, right now, for the kingdom of Jesus? Uh, there's an intersection at 380 and 75. Um, 380, as many of you probably agree with me, is the worst street um, in DFW. But it's a very populated area, that intersection 380 and 75, and, and if you drive in that area, you see homeless people there all the time. And just the other day, I saw a homeless person literally uh, in that little inclined area under the bridge. Uh, there was all this shade in this area, but he was on the very outside of it, like barely missing the sun, sleeping. And I see homeless people all, there all the time, and I see them, I see them everywhere in McKinney. I see, I see them more than I thought I would. And, and what was so crazy to me is... Um, I was at, this is a different day, a couple weeks back, I was at that intersection, and I saw a homeless person. That, you all have seen homeless people, and they hold up signs, and they say, hey, uh, you know, I need money, or I need help, or can you, you know, please help me, and, and whatever it is that the signs say, and, and, um, and you want to help them, right? But you don't want to give them money uh, many times, because you don't know what they'll buy it on, and all of those things, and, and I actually didn't have any cash, and I was like, man, every time I see these people, and I don't have anything to give them, I don't have anything to offer them, and, and I'm not going to give them my debit card, because I don't know them, and... Um, but it, it just dawned on me. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have food here. That's not that far of a walk. We have a blessings box filled with food for this very reason. So I rolled down my window. I said, hey, I don't have anything on me, but I, I work at a church right down the street, and we have a bunch of food there. And I said, it's 5.09, and I'm driving off by this point, but going as slow as I can, and people are trying to go to work. And 5.09 South Grave Street, Hillcrest Christian Church, and I start driving off, and he yells out, 5.09 South Grave Street? And I was like, yeah. 
And, um, but he never ended up coming that I know of. But it just dawned on me, we, we, we have food. I, I, that's a good thing to do. And so um, when I was in Bible college, my wife and uh, one of our friends, the Bible college is in Dallas and a highly populated homeless area. And, and they would give out bags to homeless people. And it would be an easy way to engage them and um, with the gospel and, and just to be friendly and love on them. And, and so um, I, had, I had a couple of these bags in my car uh, several years ago that I used to hand out for moments like I just described to you. And if you're terrified of sharing the gospel or, or talking about Jesus, this is good for you. This is fitting for you because um, in this bag is, um, and I want to create a serve project out of this where everyone can bring these different items and we can make a list and, and we can make bags I mean, I'm talking hundreds of these bags, and you can fill this bag for like $10 and then give them back to you and keep a, the, a couple of these in your car as you drive by 380 and 75, wherever it is, and it has a Bible. And, oh, what is that? That's an invitation card to our church, Hillcrest Christian Church. It has the address, come worship with us. Um, you know, it's easy to find, and it's tucked in this Bible. And um, so, because easily you can open this up and read it and... and you know, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ, and that's the Word of Christ. And, and so we've got these items here, and it's got a toothbrush, and it's got, you know, some, some food that is actually beneficial to them, and it won't just spoil in a day or two. And, and it's got some crackers and, and um, some socks. And, and you, if you've done ministry with homeless people, you can probably comprise a, a better list than, than this, but just socks and, and some Oreos and, and some peanut butter and and all kinds of various items, and Ziploc baggies if they only want to eat one of the Oreos and they want a safe place to put it, and, um, you know, some tuna and some toothpaste and, and some Band-Aids and some crackers and, and some deodorant and, and some uh, kind of some wipes, you know, and, and uh, some Kleenex and some toenail clippers, and, um, you know, you, you give them a, a Bible, and, and if you have the opportunity to, to actually go and talk to them, you can hand them this bag and you can engage in conversation with them. And you can, you can tell them, you know, what was, how did you come to know Jesus? You know, did someone tell you the gospel? Did someone invite you to church? Because you didn't just wake up one day saved. Someone, someone sh- walked with you through the Bible and someone shared the gospel with you. And somebody invited you to church or, or you had parents that raised you in the church. And, and there's a lot of people who don't have parents that raised them in the church. And, and um, you know, so... Don't think that you're special. You're, you're just chosen, and, and there's more people that God desires to see saved and come to a knowledge of the truth of the gospel. And so, you know, the point is, He wants to use you. God just wants to use you. And so, how are you being a witness right now? And, and this is very practical and very tangible and very easy to implement into your life, and you can make an impact, and you can be just like Peter, and if you're afraid that the Holy Spirit's not going to heal if you ask for healing, well, you've done a good deed. You've given them some things that they can actually, you know, sustain them for a few days, and you've given them the Word of God that can actually uh, speak life into them, and so um, Peter met a need, and you can meet a need, and so if you have any interest in being a part of that ministry and helping uh, that be, you know, moved forward, then come see me after the service. Another way to serve is, next slide, is our donut outreach. We're going to start this up again. We had a lot of success with this last year um, at the end of the school year, and we're going to do this once a month. And it's going to start this Thursday at 6.45 a.m. and run to 8 a.m. And we're going to hand out free donuts to students as they drive to that high school right down the street and all of the people that come out of their apartments um, who are going to work. And, and one time a person drove by and, and was, you know, had a big trailer and all of his uh, uh, landscaping equipment, and he, he pulled back around, and he has two kids. He was taking us to, to, to school, and, 
he got him a donut and a water. And, and so in that invite card that I showed you, we hand those out. And if you have an opportunity, if the opportunity presents itself, hey, can, would you mind if I prayed for you? Um, and here's an here's a, uh, invite card or here's a, a, you know, a sheet of paper that says our, our next upcoming event for a student. We're going to hang out at those lights in the fall. We're going to have a bonfire or whatever. Maybe not a bonfire, but I don't want to freak anybody out, but you know, a fire pit. And you can, you can come and you can hang out and you, and you can have community. And, and we're going to lead you to, to you know, to the things that we do that, that matter. And, and they matter to God. And it's just, you know, there are ways to serve this community. and way, There are ways to meet needs. And another thing that I want to start doing is prayer walks. You see those apartments going up right down the street, like 500 plus units. Well, let's start a monthly prayer walk. Well, all of us gather, as many of us that can. And we'll just pray up and we'll walk up and down that street. And we'll pray over those apartments. Because many different households are going to be filled with those apartments. Parents with kids and, and teenagers and young adults and, and singles. And, and let's just pray that the Holy Spirit that's leading our church, that he would lead those people to this church or a church and that they would come to know our God. And so a prayer walk, very easy, practical, tangible way to meet needs and to serve our community. And last thing, you just think about the people that you hang out with. And I'm going to close with this. You just think about the people that you hang out with you know, that aren't maybe involved in a church, do you realize that on the other side of a meal or on the other side of a cup of coffee is a person that needs Jesus? And you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. If Peter can do it, then you and I can do it. You were made for more. Every single one of us, we were made for more. And, and the, the best part about all of it is it doesn't depend upon us. It depends upon God. And the Holy Spirit is God. And if he's leading your life, and if he's leading this church, we can make an impact and we can serve this community for the kingdom of, and the glory of Jesus. Let's stand and worship and I'll pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach. Thank you, God, uh, for your love and grace in this room. God, I pray for the families in this room that you would uh, continue to build them up and, and lead them towards uh, family devotionals and, and discipleship in their homes. And, and Lord, I, I thank you for... Uh, our, our, our youth and our teenagers and our young adults, Lord, and I pray that you would continue to bless their lives and, and their ministries and help them as they grow to, to, uh, to serve you. And God, I'm just so thankful for the men and women who are eager to, to learn a lot about the Bible. And, and Lord, let that be uh, useful in their daily lives as they uh, look to witness about Jesus. And help us all, Lord, as we are led by the Holy Spirit uh, to bring people to know you, to, to point people to you. That's why we're here. That's why we exist as the church. And so, Father, we pray for your help. We love you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.